0: Welcome friends to another episode in our series Together in the Gospel of Mark. Today we're focusing on a theme which might not be obvious at the first glance. Mark chapter 15 verses 16 to 32. I've preached many times in this passage in the past, but usually around Easter time. Part of approaching the Bible in the way that we're doing together means that I'm arriving at texts and passages not related to the season where they're normally addressed, but that presents an opportunity an opportunity to look at a familiar passage of scripture, very much associated with the Easter story, quite rightly, but also really worth considering, really worth occasionally standing back and taking a look at one of the overriding themes contained within it, that of being mocked. The theme of mockery is profound in and of itself because it offers us both a glimpse into human nature and our inclination to deride those who are already weakened. So, as we traverse this narrative together, I aim for us to try and understand the implications of such ridicule, such mockery, but not just as it happened to Jesus, but how especially it might affect us in our contemporary lives. Welcome to the Bible Project daily podcast welcome indeed friends as you join us as we begin to close out the gospel of mark my name is jeremy mccandless and the bible project daily podcast is a project to work through the whole bible chapter by chapter verse by verse together not just reading the word of god but studying it in depth i'm so glad you've decided to join with me today and if you'd like to be part of this journey, complete this journey, then just click on the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from. This Bible Project podcast is hosted on the Bible Project at buzzspout.com, and there you'll find links to resources like an episode notes page, even a full transcript of what I say today, as well as other links to other places where you can connect with this ministry on a more intimate level. But with that all said... We'll drop back into the main text where we left off yesterday and I'll see you at the end just to update you a few things. Bye bye for now. You know what, for over three years now I've preached through entire books in the Bible. It's been a privilege to do that and I've learned a lot along the way as well. One of the things that has occurred to me that is in doing this I'm often speaking about subjects I maybe would never have preached on before because sometimes we approach the Bible from where it sits in our liturgical calendar, but this approach means I am approaching it from a purely expositional point of view. And today is one of those days, having arrived in Mark chapter 15, and find myself speaking about something that I never would have even thought about to preach on. But I also believe I have learned a great deal about something that I really would not have thought about in detail. There's a lot going on in this passage and of course the narrative sits within the larger what we would call the Easter story, but when we're looking at just these few verses we can see a definite theme here. There is a lot going on, but when we look at the text we're going to look at today we can't help miss the fact that first soldiers mock and beat Jesus, then this man called Simon is forced to carry his cross. And then Jesus is crucified. And both during his crucifixion, and as in fact he lies dying on the cross, he's continually ridiculed and mocked. And it ends with not only the religious religious leaders ridiculing him, but even random people passing by. Even, in fact, the other people crucified beside him also mock him in a sense. So it seems to me that when you take this passage out and look at it, In isolation just these few verses that we're going to look at today this one theme ties it all together do you see what I see at almost every interaction that Jesus has with people through these last tragic events of his life it involves people mocking him and this seems to me one of the main points that Mark wants to underlie by choosing to make an account of these events in this way my friends, I've preached through the crucifixion many, many times in my life, especially around Easter, of course. But I really don't think, had I not been preaching through this book in the way that we're approaching it through the Bible project, that it would have occurred to me to speak on the subject of mocking or being ridiculed as a thing in itself. But it seems to me that God, through this passage, inspiring Mark to write this in the way he did, he wants us to know something about the consequences of mocking people and also prepare us if it were to happen to us. Other parts of the New Testament focus on this area also. We are warned against it by Jesus during his Mount of Olives message. Peter in his second epistle warns us that mockers will come in the last days. People will continue to mock us today he says. They mocked both Christ and Christianity so they will certainly mock Christians today. Now what I mean by that, this is mocking we're talking about, so I'm not talking about people that question our faith. I attended a philosophy group, study group last night, and I have to say that people cross-examined me and questioned my faith intensely, but I don't think on this occasion it actually crossed the line into mockery. But I think we do have to recognise that people sometimes will actually Do more than cross-examine us. Do more than have a particular perspective. Well, I'm sure you know it. I'm sure you've experienced They will ridicule you and the Christian faith. And they will even mock the Lord and sometimes will make fun of him or what we believe. So what I want to do today, the thing that might really help us, is ask some of the questions of this text this morning about what it can teach us, about what we should do when we're being ridiculed. We are able to discover by looking at why these people are doing it and what's really going on. And I want us to ask if we too are mock, then how can it help us handle it? So let's visit the text as we always do in the way we do. We're going to go through it verse by verse, 16 verses this morning. And we'll begin at Mark chapter 15, verse 16, where it tells us the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace. That is the praetorium and call together the whole company of soldiers. So here we see they take Jesus to the courtyard of the Roman fortress that is built on the side of the temple grounds. And when they get there, they call out the whole garrison of soldiers. Now, some expert sources I've read and checked on this matter tell me that that would have meant there would have been at least 200 people there. In fact, some suggest there would have been as many as 600 soldiers alone so uh, there is a, a wide range of views but this much we can say with authority he is surrounded by a very large number of roman soldiers the next verse then tells us they put a purple robe on him then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on them and they began to call out to him hail the king of the jews now please note purple was the color of royalty so that's what's going on here they're mocking him they're making fun of the fact that they heard that he claimed to be, or the accusers accused him of being the self-proclaimed king of the Jews. And they put a crown on a thorn on his head, which adds to the mockery, but it combines it with an element of brutality, doesn't it, with thorns piercing his brow. Interestingly, the focus on their mockery is based around the claim that he is a king. Now look what happens next. Again and again it says, they struck him in the head with a staff and spat on him, and falling on their knees they paid fake homage to him, and when they mocked him they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on him, and then they led him away to be crucified. So the mocking continues, the text continues. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. Now historians know that the custom was that a condemned criminal had to carry his own cross and Jesus is no exception here. However, Jesus is so physically weakened by his scourging and his beating, he crumples beneath the road and the soldiers forced someone on the spot to carry the cross for him. Now Mark doesn't go into detail about the beating, but other gospel accounts do. It was long, extracted, and brutal. It's worth noting that the physical suffering he endured is combined with this mockery, and it gives us a real insight into the fallen state of human nature being expressed here. What I think it points out to us, which we all know, is that people particularly like to mock someone when they're weakened. We like to hit a guy when he's down, as the expression says. Sometimes that being beaten beaten down can be in other ways physically. When someone is physically weak or emotionally drained, in fact, when you friends are emotionally drained, that is when people are most likely to ridicule you. And because of that, it hurts all the more. The next phrase of the passage deals with the crucifixion itself. And it says, verses 22 to 25, Mark 15. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. Now this place called Gotha was apparently a smooth rounded hill that apparently from a distance looked a bit like the top of a skull. Now there was also a tradition recorded among the women of Jerusalem that they would gather there and they would offer victims of crucifixion wine mixed with myrrh in an attempt to help deaden the pain slightly of what was about to come. But in this case we see Jesus refuse it. Now, one commentator I read said Jesus did not do this because he desired to suffer any more than necessary, but because he wanted to go into the presence of his father with his eyes wide open, so to speak. I think that's a fair point. Then we see that the Roman soldiers, they separate his garments and they hang him on the cross. And hanging there, he was able to watch as they cast lots for the only thing left that he owned, his cloak. And there's one other point worth noting in verse 26. The written notice of the charge against him that was placed on the cross read, the King of the Jews. So even here in the crucifixion and the sign they put on it, they're mocking him. But have you noticed, friends, they are any of this. They're mocking him for the fact, in reality, of who he really was. And people sometimes, when they make fun of Christians, when they make fun of you, they're actually doing the same things. A common thing is people like to say is that we use God as a crutch. In other words, they mock you for relying on and being upheld by the Lord. And in a sense, they are, of course, absolutely correct in that way. So one response is the next time someone says your faith is a crutch, try saying to them, Yes, that's true, but then maybe ask them, what do you use as a crutch when you're struggling? Perhaps for them, it might be alcohol, drugs, shopping, seeking meaning through meaningless, illicit or sexual relationships, or even an affair. You know what, I kind of like my crutch better than their crutch, don't you? Whenever people mock you, it's worth considering that more often than not, they will be mocking you for the reality of who you are or what you believe. So don't deny it. Then in the text we are given this added detail. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right hand and one on his left, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled that said he was numbered among the transgressors. So what's going on here is something that happened, was prophesied earlier in biblical narrative. So it's happening here in order that that prophecy might be fulfilled. You see, 850 years earlier, back in the book of Isaiah, it said then about the future Messiah coming that, I quote, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. You see, the Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled here. And then the story continues in Mark. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their hands and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it up in three days, come down from the cross then and save yourselves. So they're mocking him. Even the passers-by are making fun of him. All these supposed great powers you have, they say, why you can't even save yourself. But let me again ask the question, could Jesus have come down off the cross if he wanted to? Absolutely, of course he could. They say save yourself and come down, but he chooses instead to stay there, to save us and stay up there. He chooses to stay and save and not to come down. William Booth, the founder of the famous Salvation Army in the UK, said this, it's the fact that he stayed on the cross, that makes me believe in him. The mockers wanted evidence. They wanted the evidence that he was the Messiah, and they mockingly asked him to come down from the cross. Isn't it ironic? We recognise that he stayed up there, and by staying up there and not doing that, it was that fact that made him our saviour. How ironic is that? There is one more episode left in this passage, and it ends by telling us this. Mark fifteen thirty one and 32. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but look, he can't even save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those who crucified him also heaped insults on him. You can see why I've chosen this theme of mockery and derision here today, can't I? The chief priests mock him. The religious leaders mock him. Even those crucified alongside him make fun of him and mock him. And look at what they said. He saves others. So again, they're mocking him by saying exactly what it is he did. Even the soldiers who nailed him to the cross are seen to hurl themselves at him as well. So at the end they all get in on this terrible act. Everyone in the passage mentioned here in one way or another is seemed to mock, make fun, insult, deride Jesus Christ. So definitely Mark is drawing attention to this aspect of what's going on, not just the physical narrative of what happens to him, but why does he draw attention to all this mockery and abuse and all the insulting? Well, I think that's a point worth digging and trying to get to the bottom of. I would say that the key point in understanding this all here is to understand that Jesus endured the mocking in order that he would continue doing the will of God to the very end. In simple terms, He endured the ridicule. He didn't come down from the cross, even though he had the power to do so. He stayed there and endured in order that he might continue to follow the will of the Father as the savior of men and women. Why do people mock other people? Well, you might say they do it because sometimes they feel threatened. Yes, that's true. You might say they do it because they're jealous. That's often true also. You might say they even do it because they're frightened of the truth. All those statements, all those reasons are true, but the overarching reason people often mock is simply because it's in their nature, because they are sinners. One commentator I read said Jesus was mocked by everyone. He was mocked by religious sinners, he was mocked by ignorant sinners, and Jesus was mocked by even other condemned sinners. So here I believe the message is, friend, how we apply it to our lives, the fact that when you are mocked for being a believer, consider the source of the ridicule being directed at you. Are they mocking you because they're jealous? Are they mocking you because they're frightened? Or are they mocking you because underneath they feel convicted and they want to project their feeling of sinfulness, their innate feeling of falling short of the call and purpose and law of god in their lives are they in fact projecting it onto someone else are they in fact ridiculing you for something that is actually true think about that next time it happens and be encouraged are they mocking you simply because you declare that you love the lord that you are happy to say you rely on the lord Are they in fact ridiculing you and really just ridiculing the Lord himself like was done to him here on this day and has been done for 2,000 years ever since. Sometimes when we're picked on, when we're mocked, mistreated, even misunderstood, well of course naturally we'll get upset. But Jesus never responded to their verbal abuse. He did not take account of it. He did not act on it. He did not listen to their demands to come down from the cross. And what that tells us that we too should persevere. When we're ridiculed, yes, it's okay, you may get upset, but just be careful, you don't. It's okay to be upset, but don't get influenced by it. Don't respond to it. Jesus didn't respond to it in any way, in the way they wanted or expected, because they weren't asking him genuinely to respond and even you know what if he had responded in the way they asked I don't believe it would have taught them anything even if he had come down to the cross they would have just put him back up there again so one of the lessons I believe this passage can teach us is that we are not to listen well more importantly we're not to respond to those who make fun of us particularly when it's what we believe or who we believe in the ridiculing of the Lord should absolutely remain their problem, not something that becomes our problem by us taking it on board and internalizing and act on it. It's really bad for us, not in terms of our salvation, but in terms of our spiritual sense of who we are, if we start to act on the influences of what we think these people who are ultimately deriding us in what we believe expect us to do. The truth of the matter is they're probably, in a sense, mocking you for something that is true anyway. So just accept that and say thank you that it is true and don't get discouraged. This inverts the whole way we should think about these things, doesn't it? But it's important also that we don't allow it to distract us, distract us from living the way that God wants us to do. You see, if you start living your Christian life in reaction to the mocking or the derision of those around you, then I believe you'll only get discouraged and it won't make any difference. They'll still carry on with their perspective anyway, but what will be true is if you start reacting to it, you're going to get get distracted from doing the work of the Lord in your life and for the lives of others. Now, I know for believers, this is a hard message to hear. Because in a spiritual sense, what I'm saying is that we too, like Jesus, have to stay on the cross. Imagine if Jesus had listened to his mockers, if Jesus had responded to them and done what they said. Imagine he had decided to save himself, as they said, and not us. If he had come down from the cross, then none of us today would be sitting under and in the grace of God in fact the whole worldwide community of people the community of faith would not even exist think about that no church in the world no christian community of faith or influence anywhere worldwide so the lesson this morning my friends is this what i want to draw out of this passage is this that if you pay attention to the derision and the mocking of the world or in effect you listen to the wrong message then great damage can be done to your spiritual life and ministry. Not only to you, but to other believers around you and even those who aren't believers in your ability to help and serve them. So friends, don't get distracted. Don't listen to those who mock or deride you. Just remain committed to doing the work of God regardless of what others say or do. Continue, continue to follow Jesus's call in your life in your work, in your home life, in your personal life, in every aspect of your life, all the time. Okay friends, that's it for today. Do hope that is able to encourage you, particularly if you're undergoing any form of mockery or persecution at this time. I hope that underlines the relevance of this teaching today. We see Jesus here enduring and choosing to save himself as a crucial example for us. Even amidst ridicule, he remained committed to fulfilling God's will. And as a believer, you and I, will encounter mockery too. And in the face of that ridicule, we have to remain steadfast, undistracted in our commitment to God's work, just as Jesus himself remained on the cross, ensuring our salvation. That's it for today and join us tomorrow as we delve deeper into the significance of what this passage and coming verses can teach us, the insights we can gain, not only in handling ridicule, but in staying committed to our faith and enduring suffering enabling us to follow Jesus in all aspects of our life so friends stand strong stay strong in our belief just as Jesus did even on the cross for us so thank you for joining me today Thank you for being with me. My name is Jeremy McCandless and you've been listening to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Thank you for making the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. If you're listening for the first time, then why not click on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform? And that way you need never miss another single episode. That way you can join us on this journey. And if you're here for the first time, then why not have a look at the homepage on the Bible Project at buzzsprout.com and look at the ways and the resources that are available to you there. Ways in which you can connect to this ministry more intimately and also ways you can even become a partner and support it as well. And if you are benefiting from this and finding it helpful, then I would respectfully ask you consider leaving a review on the podcast platform where you receive this, and perhaps even sharing it on your social networks. In an understanding that it might indeed bring about some mockery and derision of you too. But by sharing this, it's the most effective way that we can bring other people under the influence and the orbit of the gospel and allow them to respond and be transformed by the studying of it. Okay, with that all said, I'll leave it there for today. That's it from the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And I do hope I'll see you back here again tomorrow or whatever day works for you. People are quite free to study along with us at whatever pace suits them. I do post new episodes most week, Monday to Friday, with bonus episodes occasionally between seasons and at the weekend. And I know some of you have gone right back to the very beginning and are binge listening to this, trying to play catch-up. I do appreciate each and every one of you being here today. The encouragement that it is listened to so widely is the thing that motivates me to keep going and stand in the face of mockery and division. So thank you for that. And with that all said, I'll say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye now.